there, spookies, and welcome back to the Appalachian Spooky Hour podcast. If I sound a little sniffly, it's because I am. All your allergies are so much fun. Uh, Before we get into tonight's episode, I do want to take a moment to tell you guys about this really cool app. I found this really cool app. um, It was made by a creator on Instagram that follows the Appalachian Spooky Hour. It's called Haunted Maps. Basically what it is is you can create an account and sign up or go in as a guest. You accept their, you know, terms and conditions, and then you go in and you add a location. You can use the location finder on your phone or put in a specific location if it's somewhere that you're going. This will show you, based on your location, all of the haunted places in the area So, you know, if I put in my location right now where I'm recording, it tells me, hey, in 5.72 miles, there's a trail that's supposed to be haunted. Or in 9.6 miles, the local university shows up. You actually can click on that location and it will tell you about the place, like the university. It's like, hey, here's the auditorium. Um, In the 1980s, a janitor was cleaning something on the balcony and he fell off. If you want to visit this haunted location after you read about it, and sometimes there are images included, you can put in Google Maps or Apple Maps, whatever you use, and it will give you directions to get there. It's honestly really cool, really fun way to learn about some haunted places in whatever area you are at the time. Um, I know it's on iOS. I'm assuming it's also available for Android. I have an iPhone, so I know it's for iOS. Um, But anyway, check it out. It's called Haunted Maps. Super cool. Um, I just wanted to give them a shout out because really I'd never seen anything quite like that before. Um, So it was super interesting to me when I stumbled upon it. And I wanted to share it with you guys. So um, let's get into tonight's episode. We are on episode three of season four, you guys. That's wild. Like, I can't even believe still that we're on season four. Season four. Craziness. But, um, that aside, the place we're talking about this evening is honestly one of my favorite places in the state of Kentucky, maybe even all of Appalachia. This is a place I've been to countless times. And honestly, my love for this place just grows with every visit I take. If you know me at all, then you know I'm, of course, talking about Whitehall, located in Madison County, Kentucky, which is not too far from my own stomping grounds. Before we get into the spooky part of it, let's uh, go over a little history for those who've never been there, don't know the area, don't know the place I'm talking about. This house was first built in 1799 by a man named Green Clay. Clay was a businessman, a surveyor, and unfortunately, a slave owner. The original house was made up of seven rooms and was around 3,000 square feet. Eventually, the home was passed on to his son, Cassius Marcellus Clay, who was a writer and a politician. Unlike his father, Cassius was an abolitionist and was well known for his views on emancipation. He was also the U.S. minister to Russia at the time. There were other very prominent family members, which included Laura Clay, 
who became the first woman nominated as a candidate for president of the United States by any political party. You get the picture. Um, They were affluent and rich. So Cassius was in Russia, and his wife, Mary Jane Warfield, had an addition constructed as part of the house, which expanded it into 10,000 square feet, and that is the mansion that is still standing that we know today. Whitehall has seen its fair share of hard and trying times, like most old homes from that particular time period. It should be noted that this isn't a house that's known for loud and active haunting activity. This house is far more subtle than that. It's just little things that make you wonder if you're truly alone in the house or if there might be something there with you, which to me can often be more scary than the kind of loud in your face stuff. Just that feeling of not being alone but not quiet ever knowing, if that makes sense. The primary ghost said to haunt the house is, of course, Cassius Clay himself. He was born in Whitehall, and he died there in 1903. His father, the original owner and builder, also died within the walls of the home. I suppose that living in a place and loving it so much would be cause enough to want to stay there forever. Or maybe Cassius just sees himself as the guardian of the home and wants to stay there forever and just make sure it's well-maintained and cared for. I think this stands to reason because this house sat in disrepair for quite a long time. At one point in time, the place was bought privately for the farmland, not the house, and they converted this beautiful home into a barn. I mean, for years, and I'm not kidding, guys, they kept farm animals in this historic home. Like, I, my brain can't wrap around that. Like, I just can't can't imagine. The property was eventually purchased for restoration, and that's when the strange events really kind of began. There was a trailer that was placed near the house where night guards would stay to look over the place. Many of them reported seeing a light in the house just about every night, which wouldn't be unusual except the light moved. It would seemingly float from window to window in the master bedroom on the second floor, almost like someone was moving through the house by candlelight. I mean, that very well could have been Cassius himself, relieved to see his beautiful home once more being properly restored. And we kind of know, through a lot of different paranormal stories and experiences, that sometimes renovating a home, doing restoration, can increase the paranormal activity. So I think it makes sense, you know, when it was a barn, not being used in the way the home was intended nothing happened. But then when they came in and started cleaning up, rebuilding things, replacing things, restoring what was original to the house, that this would increase these visual moments where people were seeing these strange things. 
I'm just kind of going off of, you know, other things I've seen and read before. And it always seems like a lot of hauntings start with restoration and renovation. There are some people who claim to see and hear children running around in the house. And others have spotted a woman in black walking in the halls. There's also strange smells that seem to linger in different rooms, like cigar smoke, which could be remnants of past residents. One key phenomenon seems to be the sounds of footsteps moving throughout the house when there isn't anyone there. This is a story I've actually heard firsthand while on a tour. It was just me and my sister and the tour guide that day. And we asked her if she'd ever encountered anything strange in the house. And she told us that often when she was there alone at night, you know, closing up after the last tour of the evening, she would often hear footsteps upstairs as though someone was moving around. The only thing was, she was the only person left in the building. She openly admitted that it spooked her. And who could blame her? I mean, that sounds kind of terrifying thinking you're alone and then hearing footsteps and then not knowing if you're alone there are also reports that besides just footsteps people often hear music playing softly or the sounds of people talking quietly just small subtle things as i mentioned before it isn't in your face or out there and most folks experiences are somewhat unique to them Everybody that has a story, they always seem kind of different from each other. There is an event um, I went to years ago, um, me and my sister and one of my friends from um, school. We, uh, I forget what the actual event is called. I don't even know if they still do it anymore. It was a, like a Halloween event where they had actors on site and they would reenact kind of some of the more dismal moments that happened at the house. One of them was like a duel on the lawn where a man got shot. Um, the rooms were set up in the old morning decor and that kind of thing. And they would talk about it and how they would, you know, lay the bodies out at home. A friend of my sister's actually also went that here. And uh, there is an area in the basement of this house that had, like, some cells where they would detain people, I guess, um, is the word. And they went down there, and there was, like, an actor in one of the cells, like, pacing back and forth, and he looked, like, all disheveled and wild, and when it was time to go, um, you know, they went back up, and they were interacting with one of the workers who asked them how their night was, and they told them it was great, you know, the actor in the basement was just spot on, he did a great job, the woman was like, there aren't any actors in the basement. There's really nothing to reenact. It was just holding cells or what have you. And they're like, no, no, no. There's a guy down there. Costume and all. There wasn't. <laughs> um, they went back down. There's nobody there. There's no reenactor. There's no nothing. The you know people that work there are insisting there never was anyone. Um, I know this woman. She's a very big believer in the paranormal. Don't think she would make this story up. So... That was a weird one, but, um, I even had my own experience at Whitehall. Um, honestly, it was more fascinating than frightening. 
it happened um, on the same day I just talked about where we asked the tour guide about the footsteps and what made that particular trip to White Hall unique. When I say it was just me, my sister, and the tour guide, I mean it. There were no other people. Like, maybe somebody working in the office downstairs, but there were no other people in our group. There were no other tours going on at this time. It is me, my sister, and this woman giving us the tour. Because there were just two of us and her, we were kind of allowed to do things that a normal tour group could not do. We were allowed to go behind the velvet ropes to get a closer look at the furniture and the, you know, little bits and bobs and check things out close up. Um, it was very fantastic, I mean, to be able to do that. Because when you're in a large tour group, you're not afforded that kind of luxury. There's too many people to keep an eye on. Uh, you know, most people aren't going to these houses to steal things. But there are a lot of things you're not supposed to touch, etc., etc. It's hard to kind of keep up with that in a large group. So we were very lucky this day. House is nice and quiet. There's no other tours, nobody else talking, nothing to interrupt us. We go upstairs and there was a, a bedroom. And she was like, oh, I want to show you this. It's really cool. She let us come behind the robe. Um, there was a door in the room and it went to a smaller room. When I say small, I mean tiny. Like we're not even talking large enough to have been a closet. There's no shelves, nothing like that inside. She's explaining to us they believe that this was used not really even as a nursery, but just like where the baby was kept at night so the parents had quick access to it. Um, I don't really even know what you would call that room. And that was just speculation. They don't honestly even know if that's what this room was for. So we go behind the, the rope and she takes us over to this door and there's a key in the keyhole. You see the look on her face and we just are like, something's wrong. She just kind of freezes and she's just staring at this door. And she looks at us and she looks back at the door and she goes, there's a key in this door. I've never seen a key to this door before. This door is never locked. I don't even know where this key came from. So she tries the key. The door opens. She just kind of goes white. This is not an actor. Like, she is not one of those people who dresses up in period clothes and pretends to be part of the scene. You know, she's dressed nicely. She's giving a tour, but she's there to give you a history tour. She is not an actor. You can tell she is genuinely freaked out by this key in the store. She shuts the door, leaves the key in it, turns to us and goes, this is weird, let's just go. I had never seen a tour guide react like that to something, but I'd also never been alone in a 10,000 square foot antebellum mansion that's supposedly haunted with nobody else around. So that was weird. Um, like I said, I found it fascinating more than anything else because I, I don't know, like maybe somebody that worked there found the key. I don't know. 
like there's a million different reasons this could have happened maybe she was just trying to win herself an oscar but i'm telling you based on what i saw there seemed to be no acting involved in this situation it was strange her reaction was strange her desire to quickly leave this old bedroom was strange we're standing there like what the heck's going on you know we want to see the creepy baby broom or whatever she is wigged out she's done she's gone she's like come back on the other side of the rope we're going to another part of the house never before or since has that ever happened on just a history tour for me um it was cool i i loved it um i was pretty young at the time i was probably 15 16 maybe um it should also be noted that Cassius Clay and Henry Clay lived in the same area. Henry lived in Ashland, which is a house in Lexington. I think it was Ashland. It was Ashland or Waveland, and I'm pretty sure it was Ashland. Yeah, it was Ashland. We actually went on another tour there a little bit after that, and I asked them if anything haunted had happened, and she was like, no, but the night... Henry Clay died. I'm pretty sure it went this way. The night when Cassius died, they built a giant statue of him in the Lexington Cemetery. Oh, you know, at his grave. The night Henry Clay died, I guess they didn't get along, but Henry died and lightning hit Cassius Clay's statue and knocked the head off. <laughs> so, yeah, um I mean, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> on a tour, I guess, but, uh, that's what we got this one specific time. I'm sure that Whitehall has its share of specters, given its age and the folks who've lived and died there. Will it ever be considered a paranormal hotspot? No. But it still deserves to be talked about. Not every place is a mecca for activity, and not every person will have an experience there. For the most part, it's a quiet, unassuming old estate with a lot of rich history. But, every now and then, something happens to remind you that, yeah, you probably aren't as alone there. If you dig hard enough, you can find a logical explanation for most anything in the world. But... doesn't mean the logical thing is what happened and doesn't make it any less spooky. So keep that in mind. But uh, that's all for now. We'll be back next week for episode four. And episode four is also going to include a story sent to us by a listener, which we're always super excited to share with you guys. But until then, remember, 
don't go outside alone after dark. 